1: Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.
2: Hello there and welcome to the Sunday MLB Waiver Wire Q&A. My name is Chris Crawford. Thank you to everybody who is joining us on Circling the Bases, once again, Joke doesn't get old. My name is still Chris Crawford on that format as well. I am joined once again by my good buddy George Bissell. George, how's it
3: going? What's going on, Chris? Unfortunately, we don't have an actual uh, MLB leadoff game to talk about today. Yeah, but yeah. there's still a lot going on. So uh, it's that fun time of the year where you're close to the postseason. There's some potential storylines yep. to monitor. And there's just kind of a lot going on. And You can get lost if you tune out for a little bit. So it's a good time of the year to kind of check in on this. It is a good time
2: of the year, but unfortunately, um, yeah, no baseball game today. The scheduled game between the Cleveland Guardians and the Chicago White Sox has been postponed due to inclement weather. Uh, It took a long time to postpone this one, George. The game was supposed to start at 9.05 Pacific time. Yes, I'm saying Pacific time. I'm forcing my time zone onto this podcast. And I think they canceled it right at exactly twelve o'clock, <laughs> like almost, if not exactly twelve o'clock, very close to exactly twelve o'clock. Um,
3: yeah, unplayable friends, field conditions. Unplayable good. field conditions. So they might have been able to wait it out, but the field just wasn't going to respond. You you could dump like two hundred pounds of you know drying agent on the field, it's not going to uh, no, it's not going to matter today.
2: Here's a here's a question for you now. For those of you who listen to our Podcast last Tuesday, you know, I debuted hot take McGee. I hear, I'm asking you for a hot take. Well, not a hot take per se. Maybe. Do you think that Cleveland should have a retractable roof?
3: I think almost every team should. I, I think the benefits outweigh the the drawbacks. I mean, the the nice. Well, I, I like Houston's mm-hmm. with the retractable roof. Um, so Toronto has one. So I think. Milwaukee does now, too, I believe. I believe so. A lot of the newer stadiums, they're going in that direction. I -hmm. I think unless there's a historical reason to not do it, like I can't imagine Wrigley Field or Fenway with a a roof. But most places, it makes a lot of sense, especially those colder weather climates. So I think they should do it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think they should, too. And I totally, look, here's what I'll say. Uh, Hot Take McGee also will say that, these are very expensive things. I can remember as an old old man that the 1999 the stadium that got built for the Mariners uh, after their 1995 run for the stadium in 1999, yeah, the old you know, kingdom. A, the old kingdom that had awful awful decrepit wonderful place that had just absolutely zero amenities whatsoever, but it was such a fun place to go watch a game even though the seats were facing the wrong way. It was all made for football, so you'd be staring at home plate like this. For those of you who are not watching the podcast, this wasn't a great visual for you, but that's okay. Um, But it it was a big deal because that retractable roof was a super expensive thing. It took a $350 million stadium. And remember, these are 1997, 1998 dollars into a $517 million stadium in 1998, 1999 dollars. So – that's a big difference. So I will say I, I get it. It's an expensive thing, but it's also
3: preventing you from having games play. So as a New Englander, my, there's a lot of talk about the uh, financial state of the Boston Red Sox around here. And I can oh, tell
2: financial you, flexibility.
3: Yes. Nobody's gone broke owning yeah. a baseball team since no. the inception of no. Major League Baseball. Nobody has ever gone out of business. No, running a baseball team. So this is a profitable industry. So yes, every team can afford to pay whoever it is, X player, X expense, they can afford to do it. It's just a question of whether they want to. So, yeah, Yeah. I think uh, that's the direction. Most of these newer stadium projects are going in though. So what George and I are both saying, and I'm going to put
2: words (laughs) in his mouth is retractable roof, not paid for by taxpayers paid for by MLB owners. Uh, you can add us at Keith Law if you disagree with that. Um, yeah, I just I – th- I think it's silly. Uh, uh, Cleveland is one of those places, like Minnesota as well. I think Minnesota should probably have one. That ballpark is so gorgeous, and I understand. They're not the most attractive things in the world, those retractable roofs. I mean, they're they're not um, – they take away kind of from the open feel of the stadium, even when they're not being put out. But, man, they – It's frustrating because this is like this these are two teams that are competing for a couple of different playoff spots here, and now they're going to have to make adjustments to their pitching staff when this game ends up being made up. I don't know if they both have a common off day or not, but even if they do, you know, something that was supposed to be a scheduled off day,
3: we're talking about rain delays
2: on a podcast. Can you believe that,
3: George? Yeah, so that's one of the wrinkles that's gonna come into play here. Cause remember, we also had the first week of the season postponed because of the lockout. It got pushed yes. back. So there are also a lot of teams are still in the process of making up those games down the home stretch too. So you're basically running out of mutual off days, is what's yep. gonna be it's gonna be a scheduling logistical doubleheader nightmare. We saw this during, I wanna say, the pandemic shortened season too, where there were just <laughs> a lot of doubleheaders, which was, you know, fine for us on the on the content side of things. Things went quickly. But it's a long day of baseball for these teams, and you're already seeing it with injuries to pitching staffs. So like the Mets, for example, they lose two starters in about three days, and all of a sudden, you know, they're calling up guys out of AAA just to try to fill innings. So, it's, and that was with having two competent guys in Trevor Williams and David Peterson coming up and pitching well. And, and it's it's kind of going to get chaotic here in the last month or so.
2: It is going to be chaotic. It's going to be fun, chaotic. But when you can avoid this kind of chaos, I think it's. You know it's worth pointing out uh speaking of that in absolutely no way whatsoever uh for those of you who are joining us live please drop your fantasy questions drop your questions about our opinions on different kinds of roofs do we like solar panels do we like uh, uh what what uh the textile you know like what's our personal favorite type of shingle like feel free to drop those questions for us um please don't drop us any questions about any type of shingles whatsoever. But uh, yeah, absolutely. If you guys have any questions at all, please feel free to drop it. I, I wanted was, to ask you about, no, go ahead. I was going to say,
3: this is the show where we're an open forum today. We'll is, we, all requests will be, yes, will be met. Yes. Open,
2: open yeah. Forum. Unfortunately we were planning on talking about this game because it's a, it was a big game. Like the white Sox really need to win this series to get back into things. Who would you make the favorite in the AL Central right now?
3: I mean, just going off the top of my head, I like Minnesota's pitching staff, but they have they lost Tyler Malley yesterday. They ended up having yeah. him on the injured list, so it doesn't sound like he's going to require a lengthy absence. But they've kind of done some things on the fringes of their roster. The bullpen hasn't been as good as I, I would have expected, given some of the moves they made. But I I think they're in, in a good position. Chicago just has a, a lot of injuries. And losing yes. to Monty Grandal, he – it seems like based on the initial reporting today he underwent it further testing that he's avoided the worst case scenario with the knee issue, but he's a guy who's had knee and back problems this year. So it's just going to be difficult for them to forecast, you know, him coming back and playing every day. I think especially when you have guys who are already banged up, that are limited to playing designated hitter like Eli Jimenez, who's been dealing with problems recently. Sure. Uh, Luis Robert has the, the wrist issue going on. So, there's a lot of complicating factors for the White Sox. And I just think at the end of the day, if it comes down to it and they're in the mix towards the, the you know, very end of it, they might have the starting pitching to be able to push them over the, over the finish line. Because if you put like Dylan Cease in a one-game situation against anybody else in that division, you got to think he's going to be the guy who's going to get it done. So they might have the best pitching staff, but I just don't know. There's too many questions of the lineup for me right now. They, they have a lot of injuries going on.
2: Over under 1.5 teams from the AL Central making the postseason.
3: Well, I'd say under just because you have the American League East at this point where you got to figure, like New York, all of a sudden, this is a <laughs> that might be the biggest story in baseball right now. Oh all of a sudden, this, the division's not over. If you know, they've lost what eight of their last 10, they've been really bad since the all star break. So, yeah. I mean, it's only a seven-game lead, which is not insurmountable. It's it's a lot, but, I mean, it's it's doable. Sure. So I think Toronto, Tampa Bay, Baltimore, they're still in it. You know, the Red Sox are kind of fading here. I don't know if they're going to be able to, to get it done, but I like the American League East. I think those are some of the better teams at this point. So I, I think I'd go under on that, with the Central.
2: I think so, too. I mean, it wouldn't shock me just because – None of these teams, every time one of these teams I think is starting to run away with something or fall out of it, they kind of make a run. I will say this, it kind of looks like that my grandma's Seattle Mariners might be a lock for the postseason right now, which is kind of fun. I think we're getting two from that division. And then I think we will get the other three from the American League East. So I think we're talking New York, Toronto, Tampa, whoever wins to Central. I lean Minnesota like you do. I'm kind of maybe rooting for minnesota more than anything else to be completely honest with you i just really have liked what they have done in the offseason and with these trades and really really good uniforms and then i think they're getting two from the west i mean houston is the lock of locks here to make the postseason and the new york yankees are as well i will say this it's interesting on espn for the playoff odds (laughs) new york was they used to have the little carrot pointing towards 99.9 they are only 99.9 percent playoff odds right now so things are but i will say to my good friend Lindsay adler of the athletic had a very funny tweet that i think went over a bunch of people's heads um she put uh she put like a dateline thing when from well taking a picture of yankee stadium as chernobyl which is really funny because man i did not see this coming george they looked so good for the majority of the season but in the second half they have been not just a bad for a good team. They've been a bad baseball team.
3: Yeah. So the issue with the Yankees is the offense, right? They're, they've been shut out a couple of times in the last few games. You've seen Aaron Judge kind of going a little bit of a slump. I don't think it's been his fault necessarily. He, he was playing so well to start the year that it's it's kind of unrealistic to expect him to keep doing that for an entire season so there was going to come a point every hitter goes into a little bit of a slump at some point so that kind of hit at the worst possible point for them after we yeah. can stand into the achilles issue a couple weeks ago they haven't gotten much out of andrew benintendi um anthony rizzo has kind of come back to earth he was really hot to start the year and the bottom of that lineup i mean just go through some of the names after you get past josh donaldson glaber torres yeah. is fine dj LeMahieu's not like a you know, impact superstar at this point, a leadoff yeah. spot. He's kind of doesn't give you too much there other than the on base percentage, but you know, the bottom of that lineup, Trevino's cooled off kind hasn't done anything. They're kind of resisting calling up Peraza. So, I mean, that's <laughs> as much as the Yankee fans want to see it, they're giving Oswaldo Cabrera a chance and he's been versatile. He started like four different positions the last four days, so he's made a couple of really nice plays. He had a nice grab in foul territory yesterday. So I think he can play and, and stop gap it. But yeah, they're they're going to get into the postseason. But I don't know if they're going to be the one or the two seed. They might. There's a chance they don't finish that high up, and they might fall out of the division lead here if Toronto keeps playing well.
2: Yeah, I I mean again, I thought this was the lock of locks that they were going to win this division. I mean, they just looked so complete, and it hasn't been the like. The stars falling apart. It's just that, you know, a, a good roster has played mediocre baseball. And worse than that in the second half of the season. And like you said, this is not a this is not the nineteen ninety-eight to two thousand Yankees. This is a team that has some stars, but then some guys that just are like average humdrum major league players as well that are not playing at a superstar level. And I will trans
3: go ahead. I want to say this happened a couple years ago. Wasn't there a good piece about how some of the ancillary depth for a team like the Brewers, where they just didn't have any positions where a guy was just so far below the baseline replacement level? Sure. I think that's been the issue for the Yankees, like you're talking about. Their depth just has been tested to the point that they're getting sub-replacement level production out of several spots. And at a certain point, no matter how good your superstars are, just ask the Angels, you can't overcome having just – Automatic outs in your lineup or, or sub-replacement level pitchers. It's just not a sustainable way to go about things for a long period of time.
2: No, it's not. And I'm going to transition from that. By the way, shout out for the word ancillary. Boy.
3: <laughs> the sore <laughs> corner.
2: Way to uh, make the host feel dumb. Uh, the opposite of that has been Alex Bregman as of late. So over his last 13 games, and this is a – we're going for over a two-week sample here – Alex Bregman is hitting 375, 455, 833 with five homers. He's walked six times. He's only struck out four times. He's even added a stolen base. So Alex Bregman is not far removed, George, from being a fantasy star. And the last couple of seasons, he's been more like a, a good but not great player. In fact, nowhere close to a great player. But he certainly is playing like a great player as of late. How confident are you that Alex Bregman can be – I'm not asking you to say can he put up a 1.280 OPS for the rest of the season because that's just ridiculous. But how confident are you that we're seeing that flash of that superstar Alex Bregman first-round pick guy? Can we see that for the rest
3: of the year? I always say no because he doesn't steal bases. So. Yeah. It's really tough from a pure fantasy retrospective valuation standpoint. He's not going to grade out where some of these other guys who are going to give you 10 or 15 stolen bases. He has one steal, I think, this season. If I'm just, yep, exactly one. So, it came in the last two weeks. <laughs> yeah, he, he That's fine. You can still be a four category fantasy yeah. superstar. Look at, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and he'll even give you a handful. But yeah. uh, Nolan Arenado was like this. You know, if Paul Goldschmidt doesn't run at all, he's one of those guys. So those guys tend to max out. Peak JD Martinez was this way. You can max out as a second, third-round selection annually. That's that's easily within the range of outcomes for a guy like Bregman. The issue he had the last couple of seasons wasn't skills-related. It wasn't like all of a sudden the plate skills disappeared or he had some bad ball luck that went, didn't go his way. He had physical issues. I want to say he had yeah. a hamstring issue last year that I think cost him about two months. So this is a guy who got hurt a bunch and they were kind of fluky injuries. You know, his calves, uh, hamstrings, stuff like that. You, you couldn't really predict. So if you just look at, you know, go under the hood at what he was doing with the plate skills, they were fine. It's just um, he's got to get back to hitting for that elite type of power where if he's a 30 home run hitter annually, you know, he's going to be an early round selection, but if he doesn't do that, it's going to be tough for him to get to that point because he doesn't do some of the other things like stealing bases or hitting for a high average. He does get on base a lot, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't matter in traditional five by five fantasy formats. So yeah, I think he can get there. He's really good. There's no question about that, but um, the margin for error with him based on the skills and the production is a little more narrow than some of the other guys you look at in the early rounds. Yeah, I think
2: that's fair. I mean, this guy has such elite plate skills. Like, his approach at the plate is so good. Like, for the last couple of years, I'm sure he's ranked at the top or near the top in the walk percentage, the whiff percentage, and the chase rate. In fact, his chase rate on baseball savant this year is in the that 100th percentile. He doesn't strike out a ton. He also doesn't make a ton of hard contact. And that's been true for his career. Like, this is not a guy who just – sting line drives all over the park in part because he is a guy who is willing to hit in two strike counts and hitters who hit in two strike counts, you know, they're going to get, you know, the best pitch from somebody in that willingness to draw a walk and hopefully get that meatball that you can hit over the fence. Like I'm optimistic about Alex Bregman being a top seven or eight third baseman, especially we've talked about it in the last few podcasts, George, third base is just such a bad position right now. But the fact that he doesn't run and the fact that, you know, 18 homers this year, uh, obviously the power is coming on, but he's going to have to be, I think, in order to be a top 25 type player, a guy who's hitting closer to 30 to 35 home runs, you no? Know?
3: Yeah. I mean, he's so good at taking advantage of his ballpark. He and Jose Altuve have really mastered yeah. that. When they get a pitch that they can pull, and this is yeah. what Brian Dozier did so well for Los Angeles. He understood when he got a pitch to pull, he pulled it and hit it out. I mean, that's, That's what Bregman does such a nice job of, and that really helps uh, boost his his home run totals, I think. So, yeah, he can get there. It's just, if, like I said, if he ends up with an injury where he misses a chunk of time, he doesn't have the opportunity to build up those counting stats which are going to push him into that early round range. So... It's, it's just difficult when you look at value from a valuation standpoint. That's why you always talk about you want to prioritize guys who can give you stolen bases because it's just such a hard skill set to come by in this era of the game. So let's talk about somebody who's going to give you plenty of stolen
2: bases in Vinny Pasquantino. Now, he's not going to give you any stolen bases, unfortunately. But he's looked so good at the plate, George. And this was a guy that I was super high on after talking to some scouts last year. And then he had the Ridiculous Spring Training. Got off to kind of a slow start, but over his last fifteen days, this is a player who's hitting four hundred five, four seventy nine, seven eighty six. Has hit five home runs. Is walking more than he has struck out. Vinny Pasquantino is he a first baseman one to open up the twenty twenty three season?
3: I think he's right on the border of it. First base is crazy deep at the moment, but yeah, yeah. I think he's he's there. Uh, this this isn't. You know, there's been a lot of commentary about you know guys like Jared Walsh and you know people like that in the last few years coming on as, as sort of breakout guys, and their skill sets were I think a little more flawed than than we see with a guy like Pastor Martino where he kind of just does everything well. The plate skills, like you said, they're so good that, and this was something he was doing in the minors. It's translated to the highest level. I don't think this is a, a sort of a small sample fluke. At the moment, he's up to mm-hmm. 200 plate appearances now almost and has been one of the elite guys at controlling the strike zone. Mm-hmm. So anytime you showcase that kind of ability, it's it's real in some capacity. So, yeah, I think so. The, the power is there. I mean, this is – I don't want to do the comps thing, but it's, it's hard to find hitters to come up and do this and, and look that good. So, yeah, I, I'd be pretty confident in him moving forward. This is kind of who uh, we thought Spencer Torkelson was going to be a little bit. Sure, yeah. And
2: and don't get me wrong, I am still super high on Spencer Torkelson going forward. He just hasn't figured out the right way. The, the approach is almost, he's too passive right now. He's mm. going to have to figure out how to drive the baseball all the time in the world for him to figure that out. Um, my concern with Vinny Pasquantino long term is I think he might be a DH. Like he's already in bottom 13th percentile in sprint speed. Now you don't have to be Super fast to play first base, obviously. you just got to be quick enough to go cover the bag. But not a great athlete. However, this is the rare guy that I would be like, oh, this guy, even if he's going to be utility, I really want him in my lineup because his approach is so good and the power. He's still kind of tapping into that power. Like I think this could be a guy in his best seasons, depending on how baseball works, you know, we're going to have to see what exactly goes on with the baseballs and how – we have changes with the shift and stuff like that. But he could be a 40 homer guy, or if not, he can be among the league leaders in homers. He has that kind of power. And he's not just a grip and rip guy. Like, he does. He will use the entire field. I'm looking at his baseball savant page. He has a good a number of hits to the opposite field. Now, he hasn't shown the power to the opposite field yet. Every home run is to right center, right center and uh, beyond to the right. I bet you that he's going to be just fine in that. Like, if he gets start to pitch the opposite way, I think he's going to make enough hard contact for power. I'm. Mean, it's interesting you talk about first base. It is kind of a loaded position now, isn't it?
3: Yeah. I, you can go 10, 12, 15 deep and find impact guys. So uh, there's no shortage there. You know, I've, he- I've heard the Paul Goldschmidt comp a lot, but I like. what do you think of this one? What do you think of like Pete Kendry's Morales, like that type of skill set?
2: Yeah, I like that a lot. I that's think that kind I, of reminds me of a lot. Yeah, I, I think I think that I again I abhor comps, but I think that's a really good one. Uh our good buddy Shelly asked a really good question. Oh. Vinny P oh. or Jose Miranda rest of season. What you got, George?
3: I love Jose Miranda, and that is remember in the preseason we, we get asked to do our sleepers and yeah. most of us had him unranked at, at third base. I had him ranked and I was nice. the highest and I was like, well, I don't know. He, dude, hits, and you know he's done that. Uh, yeah, he's he's a weird one because he he started off so bad and yeah. then got sent down, and it was sure. like, okay, that's over. You, you you So if you drafted him and, and held on to him in the, in the start of the year, you probably let go of him, but which is unfortunate. But he's been phenomenal the last couple of months. So I like Miranda. Plus, he can play multiple positions. Uh, Pascotino probably has the. Is probably a safer. Skill set, like the floor is probably much higher. But sure. for Miranda, if he's clicking, like the plate skills aren't impressive. But if he's getting bad at ball luck and hitting for power, that's like you're talking uh huge ceiling there. So I like I just like Miranda a lot. I, I I feel kind of vindicated that like that's one thing <laughs> you're right. Like yeah, like, he was a tough guy to figure out because the minor league numbers were so good and so unexpected. That right. was like, Yeah, I could see this cratering, but he kind of pulled it off. So Yeah. And everyone who covers that team, who talks to the players on that team, they say that he's the real deal. So yeah, I tend to read into that a little bit too. Like there's some good Carlos Correa quotes about him that they're like, this guy's a dude. So Yeah. They those guys know when they see it. So yeah, they do.
2: And you know, that I was a guy who was skeptical in part because AAA pitching in 2021 was the worst it's ever been. Like it just an absolute Words I'm not allowed to say on the podcast show. It's, no, you're it right. Was, it was really bad. So I was like, boy, I really like to see this. And then I was pretty – you know, I try not to be a victim of the small sample, but he looked lost over those 52 plate appearance. I think he was six for 52 to start out the season. It was something along those lines where he just – didn't. my my concern with him is that the approach of the plate is just awful. Like it, he's in the bottom 10 percentile and walk – chase rate 32nd percentile not a guy he makes a lot of contact he's a good bad ball hitter but I think he could be a guy who has some seasons where he's going to be relying a lot on Babbitt because you know he's just not a guy who is going to make pitchers work at this point now that could change especially as pitchers begin to fear him I think that's a really interesting one I'll go Pasquantino. Just because, one, I like saying his name a little better. I'll due respect to Miranda. I, I watched Sex and the City as a kid. You know, that's, that's something that was part, a part of my life. But uh, I do think just Pasquantino's approach at the plate just gives
0: me a slight edge. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time.
2: uh, let's talk about some pitching george um dustin may made his debut oh. for the 2020 season and was ridiculous i'm gonna ask you a question for those who play in fab leagues it is august 21st it's 12:55 my time as we're recording is this a person that you use all of your fab for if he's still available
3: Yes, he shouldn't be available. This, yes. this He should have been rostered weeks weeks ago. He made yeah. five starts in the minor leagues on a rehab assignment. <laughs> yeah. so, and he was striking out like six, ten guys per start down there. Yeah. It, it wasn't a skills issue. It was, all right, we need to build up the stamina of the pitch down. Sure. We knew the timeline for him to come back. And then when you saw the matchup against Miami, who's yeah. just been absolutely uh, – to use your terminology a phrase we can't say on the show
2: you
3: know, <laughs> they've been uh, pretty bad so that we knew this was coming so yeah I, I I don't I can't imagine he's out there in competitive leagues but if he is this is yeah you push all the chips to the center of the table this is why you stash you know yep top elite tier talent. This is why we talk about these guys for weeks, months leading in, because if they do get the opportunity, which the sort of season ending injuries to Walker Buehler, Clayton Kershaw getting hurt again, Andrew Heaney's banged up again. You know, there's an opportunity for him to, to come in and pitch every five, six days. So he's, he's going to do well. The strikeout upside is, is pretty stratospheric. So that, sort of buoys the floor for him where he might give up a couple of runs, but if it's, if he's striking out eight guys in five innings, like you'll take that yeah. every time.
2: It's still insane to me that there was concerns about Dustin May missing bats. Uh, and I realized that they weren't there when it first came up, but it's just like watching him pitch. It's like, how can you, by the way, can you guess what his availability is in Yahoo leagues?
3: No, <laughs> Yahoo, Yahoo, Um uh, it's got to be over. I'll say like forty
2: percent. So it's sixty-nine percent rostered now. Now it was fifty-five yesterday,
3: and that's it went up right. to almost seventy
2: percent after he gets up. By the way, well,
3: what were the? Cons- why wouldn't you have if you had well, just sort of a fringe talent on your? Why wouldn't you have? That's that's what I, I never figured yeah, out because this isn't a talent issue. It's like we knew no, what Justin May was. I it.
2: think I think some of it is just due to the fact that most guys are only carrying. You know, a couple of pitchers on their bench at most, but it's hard for me to justify him not being one of those guys, unless you're just stacked with pitching. Congratulations if you are so good that Dustin May wasn't a guy who was good enough for you. Uh, By the way, Dustin May's next start is coming against the Marlins as well, this time in Miami yeah, you want him rostered for that start love, as well. I love,
3: um, I love uh, Dynasty and Keeper League questions. They're like, oh, I, should I should I keep Dustin May? I have uh, Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole. And <laughs> and it's like, okay, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, 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 those you, questions.
2: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Good for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, um, classy problem to have. Speaking of starters and speaking of uh, the fact that Dustin May will be making his next start, Two start options. I believe we talked before that this is not necessarily the greatest week for two start options, but give us some anyway, George.
3: No, it, it's really not. I was looking through this, and basically streaming is difficult. You need the right sort of uh, combination of factors. You need good ballpark, bad lineup. Yeah, you know, you just you just kind of need a lot of things to go right when you when you're doing this. So the. It's kind of two guys who stood out to me. One, I'm not sure. He probably got rostered in a lot more leagues based on his recent performance and the fact that he was a top pitching prospect at the game. But Edward Cabrera, he's been mm. really good since he's come back. He had a, a weird sort of recovery timeline because there was just sort of like nebulous timeline of when he was pitching in the minor leagues and coming back from an injury. So it was kind of unexpected that he came back earlier this month. It wasn't clear what his timeline was. Uh, going back towards like the all-star break but he's made three starts since august 5th and he has not allowed an a run in those starts he's oh. thrown 14 and two-thirds consecutive scoreless innings with 21 strikeouts and only seven walks so yeah he's pitching extremely well this might be a hot streak the control the command it's more command the command is uh spotty at times yes. he'll yeah he'll have some starts where he'll go like three and two thirds and walk five guys and you're just going to shake your head. But yes. the talent is immense and uh, the raw stuff is, is excellent. So he's been commanding it really well lately. Uh, and these were kind of weaker lineups, you know, the Cubs Phillies Padres. So not great lineups, but he gets this week, the uh, athletics on Monday. Oh, great lineup. Win, great. Uh, and then the <laughs> second one is tough because it's the Dodgers on Sunday, but it's a Sunday getaway day. Um, should take some backups. I kind of like the situation there. When yeah. you factor, like Those are the sort of like extra factors on the side that could come into play there. So I like Cabrera there. The other name I'm going to throw out is Drew Smiley. Uh, mm. He's allowed two runs over his last three starts, which is 17 innings. Only, uh, he has 17 strikeouts and three walks during that span. And once again, bad lineup. So there you go back to it. He had the Marlins, the Reds, and the Nationals. So this week he gets – Uh, The Cardinals on Monday, and then at the Brewers on Saturday. I just think the strikeouts have been there lately for Smiley, and he's been healthy. So in a week where there aren't a lot of great options, I think he can go out and give you two decent starts. Yeah. And he's probably out there in a lot of leagues on the the waiver wire. So those were the two that kind of stood out to me. I I didn't want to get into, like, you have a lot of risky uh, names out there. Like, Rowense Contreras is one where – like he's – the talent is kind of there, but he's sure. such a risky guy that like – Very I volatile. Yeah, I, I couldn't yeah. do it this week, so.
2: No, that's Those that's totally that's totally fair. I, I like that Cabrera pick a lot. Even, even with the Dodger game, I think you're going to see him feast on that Oakland lineup because I've seen everybody feast on that Oakland lineup. <laughs> even Logan Gilbert, who wasn't particularly great yesterday, was able to pile up uh, some decent stats until he fell apart a little bit. I'm very concerned about Logan Gilbert, by the way, like uh, not for the long term, but for in the short term, there is just so much hard contact being given up. But that is a uh, a tangent that I'll go on on another podcast. Yeah,
3: we, we talked about him last time, but uh, no, we did. Hey, can, can I get your cake real quick? Because I haven't I haven't heard it, maybe. But uh, Jose Suarez, the Angels. He's yeah, been really, really good lately. I keep going back and like, man, this guy's awesome. <laughs> like, Yeah, he was really kind of decent.
2: Yeah, he was really good against Seattle in that last start until things kind of fell apart a little bit. It took a perfect game into the sixth inning, in fact, yeah. on that. I like him. I, I My concern is I don't – if you're looking for Ws, I'm not counting on a lot of them for the, you know, the Los Angeles, Anaheim, uh, Temecula, whatever the heck they're called, Angels. I, I'm not counting on a whole heck of a lot of those. But I think he can put up decent rates. If he's available in a league, I absolutely – Uh, would be looking at. I'm also looking at this guy, George, and I believe you wrote this guy up not too long ago. For those of you who are looking for help in the relief category, Alexis Diaz still available in 63% of Yahoo leagues. I feel like that's a mistake.
3: Oh, absolutely. It's become clear that the Reds want to sort of transition him to the closer role. They've given Hunter Strickland the occasional uh, opportunity, but not, not totally uh, committing to him. So Diaz missed some time back in June, uh, and he came back on July 8th. So since that point, he he's allowed one run in 16 and two-thirds innings with 27 strikeouts and only six walks. And he also has three saves during that span. So um, he got charged with one blown save because he came in with with guys on base and gave up a hit, and it was like the seventh inning. So that's a little deceptive if you're just looking at box scores. So, yeah, Diaz, he's he throws hard. He's been very good, and I can't envision a scenario in which he doesn't get the remaining save chances in Cincinnati. So that's definitely a guy long term you want to be prioritizing. He's someone to put on your like sleeper list for next year. I I think just because like you said, the Reds are so bad, people are going to overlook him. But sure. the skills are absolutely there for him to be an elite reliever uh, moving forward. I you know what's funny about the Reds,
2: and I totally agree with everything you just said. I, I look at that pitching staff, and there's a lot of oh, I kind of like that guy. Oh, I kinda like that guy. Oh, I really like that guy. Oh, I kinda like that guy. There's also Mike Miner and Ross Detweiler and, and those type of guys. And Hunter Strickland who you just mentioned. But like, you know, even without Hunter Green on this roster, like you look at Graham Ashcraft. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Uh Justin Dunn, who I still think can in some sort of role be a successful major leaguer. Um, Nick Lodolo, uh, Art Warren, who is a guy that I like as a reliever as well. Um might get a couple of safe chances down the stretch as well, but I think Alexis Diaz. But it's just kind of funny for a team that got off to such a horrific start. Their talent's a little better than I think people give them credit for.
3: Yeah, they they just got crushed by injuries this year. Huge.
2: Uh, the, The injured list, like if you go and look at our MLB injury report, which I recommend you do because it's a great way to see who is on the injured list and some expected ETAs. I want to say they take up about a page and a half. Because yeah. there are just so many guys now. A lot of those guys have come off the injured list, but even still, there are just so yeah. many injuries. They, they're yeah, they're good, but they're not. They are not nearly as bad as they looked at the beginning of
3: the year. Yeah, they started out with a lot of injuries. You know, early mm-hmm. on in the season, we do the updates on the new player news, and it's like, man, it would take like like hours to do the Reds. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> they TJ Antone's a guy who I think they they were counting on to come back and play a role sure. this year. Um, Great call didn't come back. So, you know, they have a lot of interesting arms that just kind of uh, got hurt or didn't pan out this year. So, yeah, I think going forward, that's a that's a team that could take a step forward. It's kind of unclear what direction they're going in because they kind of are straddling the line between like a total rebuild and like yeah. trying to semi-content. It's yeah. a, they're in a weird place. I haven't totally figured it out yet.
2: I think you're going to see them move towards more tearing down. But they might be a fun team to watch while doing the teardown, despite having
3: a horrific, yeah, it, horrific it's, owner. Um, it's moves. It's moves like why are you signing Tommy Pham and Donovan Solano? Like stuff yeah, like that. Or yeah, it's like, why is Mike Mustafa yeah, here? Like it's stuff, stuff like yeah. that. Where yeah. like, I, I can understand building around Tyler Stevenson, Jonathan India, great. But like, I don't know what some of the veterans are doing on that team when they no. uh, when they sign them early this year.
2: By the way, they also have Buck Farmer and you do not spoonerize that name. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us, either via YouTube, Twitch, or uh, listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it. Please hit the like button, subscribe button, five-star buttons. We appreciate all of that. You can follow me at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. And you can follow George Bissell at George Bissell, double S and double L. If you search for George Biss, I'm sure it's going to come up anyway, but it is nice to know that you need that double S and you need that double L. Uh, Stay tuned on Wednesday for a podcast featuring George Bissell, who has done a lot of these podcasts. I'm starting to get... I'm starting to wonder if you do anything else, George. Do you just podcast? Is there
3: anything else going on in your life? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I feel like I'm living on this on this
2: screen, um, sending questions. Yes, yes. yeah. <laughs> we really do appreciate it. So, until next time, have a great rest of August. Is it really the end of August already? That's crazy. One week. Thanks so much. One more week. Let's have. Uh, this is a train wreck ending.
0: So, set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to keepitfunohio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
1: It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.